You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. I have a really great guest today, uh, Ignacio Contreras, Director of uh, 5G Products at Qualcomm. And we're going to talk about uh, realistic expectations for 5G this year and next year. You know, there's a lot of buzz about 5G. I know a little bit about it, but uh, we're going to shine some light on how it works and how it's going to benefit people in their communications. So, Ignacio, thanks for coming. Oh, thank you so much, Richard, for having me. And, you know, very exciting and busy days on this end as 5G launches across different regions, different countries. So happy to uh, have a chat with you about this. Yeah, so what is uh, 1G, 2G, 3G, 4G, and how is 5G going to be different? Maybe you could recap a little bit of uh, technologies we've all been using to communicate. Sure. Um, let me put it this way. 5G is, is kind of a, is defined as the fifth generation of cellular technology, right? Uh, and let me provide you some uh, historical context of that to see how we are going, how we got here, and what's different about 5G overall. So uh, basically, since cellular technology got started and deployed uh, starting on the early 80s, um, uh, the technology has been evolving constantly. But we have seen roughly a, a several a generation of cellular technology, which basically are fundamental technologies different from uh, what has been deployed. Previously, so uh, starting on the 80s, we saw 1G, uh, which was focused on a, a mobile, basically in voice communications and these big analog devices like what uh, Gordon Gecko used to use on um, mm. the Wall Street movie, and we all remember right, that the big brick cell phones, yeah, the, the car absolutely. Phones, the but, but it was a breakthrough technology at the time, right? You can have just move your phone with you uh, anywhere, much. So as, as cellular technology got uh, more traction and more use, we saw on the 90s the rise of what's the second generation of cellular technology, or 2G, which basically was using digital technology to be able to pack more voice calls, more capacity into the same frequencies or spectrum assets that operators were using to make the system more uh, economically feasible as things were scaling, right? And bringing new capabilities in terms of uh, better voice quality and ability to send text and messages, uh, that came with uh, 2G. Uh, then on the 2000s, we saw uh, the uh, 3G coming out, which uh, brought the first uh, internet connectivity to phones, and the ability to do multimedia messaging, uh, email, and some other initial internet functions within your uh, mobile device. And then on 2010, approximately, we saw uh, the uh, uh, rise of 4G networks and devices, which uh, was all focused on mobile broadband and bringing this high-speed 
internet connectivity into your smartphone device. So, and now we are uh, uh, about to uh, see the uh, launch of what's called all about 5G uh, networks and devices starting this year with a new set of capabilities. And um, so what you well, see here... It's funny, when I think about 1G, and like you mentioned, Gordon Gecko, I guess you would have maybe some texting, but 99% of it would be a cell phone to a landline call. And then over time, I'm sure there was some transition of more cell phone to cell phone calls. And then, you know, nowadays I've heard that, uh, you know, people don't call nearly as much as they'll text and message and use other platforms. So what has been the evolution of the types of communication that have gone across, you know, these networks and how has that, how has that affected them? Yeah. Um, what, what we have seen overall, yes, is that all the prior generation of mobile technologies were focused pretty much on the phone form factor, right? And how people first communicate with each other and then uh, how people connect to the internet. Uh, what makes 5G very unique this time is that 5G has been conceived and actually has been designed not just to connect uh, people and phones overall, but to connect all kinds of other things and devices, uh, whether it's your car or your PC or the gas meter that will sit for 10 years underground, uh, connecting to the utility and sending information about your gas usage uh, to robots and equipment that will be on the manufacturing plant. So what makes 5G very unique compared to all the other uh, uh, generation of cellular technology is that it has been uh, designed and conceived not just to connect phones, but to connect all kind of things into what we call the Internet of Everything. And that was kind of a mix uh, 5G unique, and, and that brings a new set of capabilities that are required into the network to support the wide variety of use cases that we will see uh, using 5G on the long run. So as you see, yes, every 10 years or so, there's a, roughly a new generation of cellular technology, but 5G is fundamentally different because it's not just for phones. It's for to connect many other things. Phones will be faster, yes. And people will see right. multi-gabit speeds now with 5G and, 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 and will continue evolving what has been the uh, kind of a, the progress of networks with 4G LTE. But on top of that, you will start seeing manufacturing plants connected with 5G and, and VR headsets or AR glasses connected with 5G. It has been fundamentally designed to support many more use cases overall. So, okay, what, um, what can people expect? Uh, clearer phone calls, faster connect time, faster data usage? I mean, what, what are some of the metrics that you think people will see that are different? Yeah. So uh, with launches starting this year in 2018 uh, as uh, uh, 5G launches across United States, Europe, Japan, Australia, South Korea, and also China, uh, all these first wave of launches will be still um, uh, focused on mobile broadband experience. And what people will uh, perceive and will enjoy with this first wave of 5G smartphone devices it a faster data speed. So we're now seeing uh, the capabilities to deliver multi-gabit speed into your phone, the same kind of speed that you get today with a, a fiber connection into your home, and also uh, lower latency. So it's, uh, that means that uh, the connectivity will not only be faster, but more responsive. And this is a, a key factor in some of the use cases like uh, mobile gaming, for example, particularly cloud gaming applications with multiplayer capabilities in which at the end, how responsive is the network or not uh, can uh, uh, define if you are alive or dead, right? Within your own game. And, and that's very important right, for gamers right. overall. 
So what people will see initially with 5G initial deployment is, of course, a more of a uh, near instant access to cloud services. So when you are collaborating on a document that's sitting on the cloud or using cloud processing or storage, it will feel like it's native to your phone. It's less distinguishable what actually is occurring on the cloud versus what's occurring on your phone on its own. And you will see, of course, much faster downloads overall and a more kind of a, um, a more kind of a stable connectivity experience, enjoying videos and, and, and video calls, video conferences as well. Uh, AR applications now will benefit more from 5G, given the faster responsiveness, it's easier for the cloud to process and create an overlay that at the end will reflect into your phone and will be drawn on top of your camera input. And things like a video collaboration we expect to be uh, much more uh, prominent on a 5G world. And following that first wave of launches, uh, starting next year and the following kind of uh, with the evolution of 5G, we will start seeing 5G going into cars with vehicle-to-vehicle -vehicle communications, for example, or we see a lot of interest on industrial settings and how 5G can help on a manufacturing plant to replace Ethernet cable, for example, and be able to have a plant that's much more uh, easier to reconfigure. So you can produce multiple products and not spend much time uh, rewiring the whole premise, but just moving equipment around and be able to uh, connect them with the same level of reliability and quality of service that today you expect from an Ethernet connection overall. So what are some of the parameters of 5G? Um, you know, I drive around and I'll see cell phone towers. 5G, from what I've heard, again, it packs more data in the transmission, but it doesn't go as far. So what will, uh, what will a city look like when 5G is fully deployed in it? Will we see little transmitters everywhere or, you know, infrastructure-wise, how does it look different from what's, what's here now? Uh, no, actually, uh, I think that what you refer is to what's called 5G millimeter wave. So, yes, 5G enables the use of new frequencies or spectrum assets that uh, are a kind of a much higher in terms of frequencies, new spectrum that was supposed to be impossible to work with for mobile use cases. Uh, you're right, that doesn't travel that far, and usually that requires a kind of a deployments that are more uh, uh, suitable for dense urban areas where you need a lot of capacity. But uh, 5G also works on the same uh, spectrum assets that uh, cell uh, phone companies and, and networks use today, what's called the sub-6 gigahertz spectrum or sub-6. And that's the same spectrum, the same frequencies that operators are using today for wide coverage, and you will see 5G there as well. So, and, and we expect long-term uh, operators will be using both uh, kind of a kinds of a spectrum, both sub-6 and millimeter wave for deployment. So yes, you will see uh, more densification in those areas that require more capacity, again, like a downtown uh, area in a city, but also you will see wide, uh, wider area of uh, coverage with 5G using the same spectrum that's being used today with 5G and actually with uh, better capabilities because there's new techniques that allows uh, what's called massive MIMO, that allows the cell tower to focus the energy uh, to be able to uh, better connect with their phones. So even if you're using the same spectrum, in some cases, uh, the performance of the connectivity will be much better. And, and going to your point in terms of the parameters, uh, what we expect depending on the deployment is to see speeds increases between three and 10 times uh, in terms of uh, your uh, throughput speeds that you get on your phone, but also uh, lower latency. 
and we expect download latencies being uh, as good as 10 times better and lower latency as we have today. So your phone will not be just faster, but also more responsive by order of magnitude there. Will this affect people more in cities to improve their communication speed and you know, latency and the things they can do? Or will it also fill in the gaps where there's not coverage currently? Will it shrink the dead zones? Um, both. Uh, because one of the things, for example, as uh, in the substation spectrum, as uh, again the network using 5G can uh, focus the energy more toward where devices are sitting, that improves coverage and overall the connectivity that you get in what's called the cell edge, basically when you are very far from the cell tower overall. But what's interesting is that with 5G, as 5G networks are deployed and people start moving uh, their connectivity to 5G. That benefits people who sit on 4G as well, because as um, at the end the capacity is so much that you have uh, within a cellular network. So as people start moving into uh, 5G uh, network capabilities, those who are staying in 4G will see less traffic on the 4G network, and therefore improvements as well in uh, the performance or their or connectivity. So at the end. Uh, 5G will benefit not only uh, the people who move into 5G because they will see, of course, faster speeds and more responsiveness, but even also the people who sit in, in, in still using 4G because uh, they will see an overall improvement in the capacity of that network and therefore improvement in terms of the connectivity. And that's what a lot of what's driving all this initial wave of rollouts uh, with 5G. 5G was not supposed to be working. Uh, Today, uh, when the initial standardization of 5G uh, got started, the aim was to deploy 5G around the 2020 and beyond timeframe. But uh, as people get uh, consuming more and more data and consuming more video and doing more things over the connectivity, there's, that triggers more urgency for network operators to uh, improve capacity, to be able to satisfy all that increasing demand for data. And that's why uh, with Qualcomm and together with all the companies work on the acceleration of the 5G timetable. So 5G can be available as early as this year, right? With network launches across many regions. Uh, that's because of the need for capacity. So those operators that deploy uh, networks on millimeter wave, of course, will be able to access new uh, set of uh, frequencies that were not available for mobile. Uh, deployments before, and of course that brings a lot more capacity into the networks and how they can serve the subscribers, but also those that deploy um, 5G in subsequent spectrum, the more traditional spectrum, also because of these techniques such as Massive MIMO and other improvements in, ter in terms of technology, will also see uh, increased capacity in the networks, and at the end all these uh, aim to uh, meet this increasing demand for data. And that's what's driving a lot of the initial deployments of 5G. And that's why we see 5G now a lot of focus on the initial deployments on uh, these mobile broadband use cases. Because we cannot stop. We cannot stop just watching videos. We can stop like um, consuming or using more data is so valuable that again, we need more capacity to be able to satisfy that data demand. Are there people that are using uh, 3G or even 2G in some areas and how will they be impacted? At the end, it's the the more capacity, it's better for everyone, right? And the more capacity that we get in 5G can benefit, of course, people who sit in 4G. Uh, today, at least in the United States, 4G is fairly prevalent. So uh, for 3G, it's now being for uh, boys and kind of uh, some uh, connectivity in just kind of uh, some areas. Uh, but again, overall, the more capacity that you have in the network overall, 
uh, the more traffic you can uh, drive on it, whether you're using 3G, 4G, or 5G. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just me, but I've seen, you know, on my phone when I get into areas that, uh, you know, have poor coverage, you know, the phone will revert to 3G to try to keep communication up. But uh, uh, is that infrastructure still in place? Is it necessary with 5G, or will it be abandoned? Um, I, was, I, I don't know what will be the, the carrier plans uh, on, on, on those 3G networks, I can, but I can tell you that all of the activity will continue on improving uh, the capabilities uh, of the 4G network. Overall, so that will not stop, and, and we see uh, 4G further evolving to provide this additional capacity that people need in their phones, uh, but also a lot of activities starting this year with 5G as well uh, to create and, and, and evolve that capacity. All right. So right now it's, uh, you know, 2019. So you're saying 5G will start out where? In a few test cities or will it be a big rollout? And when? The end of this year or not till next year? Yeah. No, it's it's on the next few weeks. So we have operators that as soon as oh, wow. uh, this month, right, will start like a, a going live with a 5G networks that still will be on, on certain cities, but they're already, at least in the U.S., for example, you see all the major carriers with plan to start deploying uh, 5G, uh, some of them between 9, 20, 30 cities uh, expected to be covered, uh, at least with some level of presence with 5G as early as this year. And we're seeing the same in uh, in Europe, uh, China, Japan, Australia, South Korea, many regions. What's interesting, Richard, is that uh, the, uh, we have never seen uh, that uh, such as accelerated pace moving into a new generation of cellular technology as we're seeing today with uh, 5G. And let me put you one one example for that. So when 4G launched uh, first time in December of 2009, uh, Telesonera, right, in Europe, um, when they first launched at that time, there were no uh, lots of uh, carriers really committed to uh, moving into 4G, maybe three or four carriers with hard plans to move into uh, 4G. At that time, uh, there were two competing standards. It was LTE and WiMAX. And some carriers, uh, rightfully, were waiting right, and seeing which standard was getting more traction before making capital investments to uh, deploy um, 4G networks at that time. Uh, same thing with the device manufacturers. There was probably three or four uh, with uh, hard commitments and plans to develop and commercialize uh, 4G uh, devices uh, about 10 years ago. The picture today is very, very different. Uh, today, we have just one single standard or specification for 5G that is globally accepted, which is called uh, 5GNR. So uh, operators don't have this uh, uncertainty in terms of which uh, uh, specification will prevail. There's just one. And that creates more confidence to uh, do the capital investments to deploy 5G networks in a much uh, much faster fashion. Same thing with the uh, okay. device manufacturers. And that's why you see today uh, there are more than 20 operators globally that uh, have plans to uh, deploy 5G in the next few months, if not next few weeks, starting. And more than 20 device manufacturers with plans to uh, de- uh, kind of commercialize 5G devices. We expect this year that virtually all the uh, major Android uh, phone manufacturers will be uh, commercializing flagship uh, smartphones with 5G. And we saw a good number of them at the last Mobile Congress in Barcelona in February, 
launching uh, those devices. So uh, the level of activity, if you compare uh, the launch of 4G with the launch of 5G, the level of activity that we see today is much higher. It's much more concentrated. And uh, over the next few weeks, I'll be very busy with activities across China, Europe, uh, United States on uh, network and device launches. Uh, we have never seen this level of uh, widespread industry support and acceleration um, toward a new uh, generation of solar technology. And remember, uh, 5G was not, was not supposed to be working uh, this year, was not supposed to be commercialized this year, but the whole industry saw the need to accelerate the deployment, and that's why uh, 2018 is now the year for 5G. Very exciting. Yeah. So am I going to wake up in a few weeks or a few months, and my phone will ask me to update it, and then it'll magically be on 5G? Will it be that seamless for some users? Um, for some of them, yes. Well, if you need first you need a 5G device. One of the things about 5G is that it's not backwards compatible necessarily with uh, 4G networks. Uh, what drives many times the transition to a new cellular technology is that how you add capabilities uh, uh, that at some point become impossible to sustain uh, while maintaining backwards compatibility. And that's why we see now a new generation of cellular technology. So, but if you have, if you get a 5G device, uh, shortly, right, um, in, yes, you, will, you might see that, that uh, coverage increasing. And one day, yes, you might wake up and you might have your uh, 5G coverage already in your city. Again, there's plenty of announcements already from uh, the operators here in the United States. Uh, all of them, uh, the major carriers being very excited and, and with uh, solid plans to deploy 5G. So, of course, it's a gradual process, right? Uh, you cannot deploy a network uh, overnight, but uh, the uh, pace in which uh, these are being uh, planned and deployed is much faster than we have seen uh, any, anything else we have seen before in other cellular transitions. Okay. And then, uh, so first thing that probably will be affected are smartphones. What about, you said, cars not being connected to each other? Will that take several years for 5G to be implemented in them? Or is it in there and it's just silent for now, waiting to be used? Mm. Um, no, just 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 uh, in the case of mobile phones, right? Uh, in in vehicles, for example, we also see an accelerated accelerated transition into the next generation of cellular technologies. Uh, again, I'll just example of comparing the uh, transition to 4G. So uh, between the uh, the launch of the first 5G network and the announcement of the first the launch of the first 4G network and the launch of the first uh, 5G 4G car. Uh, there were about four years, right? So the first network of 4G launched in 2009, and the first car uh, was an Audi, uh, was announced on 2013. So you saw a span of four years between the launch of the technology and adoption in the automotive space. Uh, this time, it will be a much shorter span, right? We expect now with cars with 5G uh, being commercialized as early as 2021. Actually, at Qualcomm, we already got a design win uh, with uh, one automaker to uh, uh, provide 5G technology for their vehicles. So, uh, and, and you see even on the uh, specification and, and standardization effort, uh, car manufacturers and the whole ecosystem is much more involved into uh, driving what it will be 5G because they know that they will need uh, a network that is able to support the requirements for the automotive industry. Uh, a few years ago, there was a, a 5G automotive association that was uh, created in Europe, but with a global nature, to be able pre precisely to work on uh, providing input 
on the standardization efforts to accommodate the requirements of the automotive industry. And that industrialization, in just a matter of a couple of years, grew from eight to more than 100 members today, right? And there you see uh, mobile operators, infrastructure providers, uh, semiconductor companies, and a tier one suppliers for automotive industry, as well as the car makers themselves. So we, it's, it, will not, it might not be this year, but uh, we'll see just in a couple of years cars with uh, 5G and with some of the capabilities that has been personally defined uh, for the automotive industry, like vehicle-to-vehicle communications, for example. Uh, in a shorter fashion, we will see 5G PCs, right? We expect to see 5G PCs uh, uh, as early as this year. And another interesting play is the, fierce, uh, the fixed wireless access uh, play for mobile operators with 5G infrastructure. One of the use cases that uh, it, it, there's a lot of interest is how you can use 5G as a backhaul replacement uh, or alternative to fiber or cable to provide a fixed internet connectivity into homes, right? And you can use either millimeter wave or sub sticks uh, with higher, higher power transmit uh, by using uh, the customer premise equipment, uh, basically the box that goes in your home and provides you with internet connectivity. And now with 5G achieving, uh, achieving multi-gibit speed, uh, basically you have a new alternative to provide um, internet connectivity, uh, kind of a high performance mobile broadband, uh, broadband into the home overall. So that's another thing that we'll start Ooh, seeing this year. Uh, it's not just these mobile devices that we are usually expecting, like again, uh, cars and PCs and, um, and of course smartphones and tablets, but now uh, 5G being used as infrastructure uh, to provide internet to uh, homes and small offices as well. And all of that, I think we'll, we'll start seeing at least fixed wireless access, 5G PCs, and of course, smartphones starting this year, uh, if not into entry uh, of the 2020, and cars following shortly after with uh, 2021 timeframe uh, with, uh, again, 5G vehicles overall. Later on, it's when we'll see 5G going into uh, manufacturing plants or what's called the industrial IoT use cases. Because the first wave of 5G specifications had been focused on, of course, on mobile robot on the phones. But for the first quarter of next year, it's scheduled that we'll see a new release of 5G specifications with new features to be able to support these industrial uh, applications or use cases. So, for example, how you bring uh, ultra high level levels of reliability into the wireless connection, achieving uh, what kind of a 99.9999% of reliability that's required for industrial processes, for example, that's kind of coming with the next iteration of cellular specifications, or the ability, for example, to use private 5G networks and allow uh, these industrial conglomerates, for example, to deploy their very own 5G networks and manage that to be able to connect the, the manufacturing plant, for example, or any other uh, manufacturing facility that we'll start seeing uh, later on as 5G uh, uh, specification standards continue to evolve. So we'll see a lot of it starting this year, okay. but 5G is designed for the long run and we'll see evolution of the technology and of course adoption of use cases for many, many years to come. Do you have people that are bugging you for 6G already and saying, all right, what's next? Or is that uh, not even on the <laughs> table? Uh, no, I think, honestly, I think it's too early for the discussion. Remember that what drives, uh, from an engineering standpoint, what drives the evolution and the need for a new cellular technology is that 
when you cannot continue evolving uh, the capabilities of uh, uh, generation of certain technology uh, while maintaining backwards com compatibility. Uh, with 4G, for example, the 4G that we have today is actually much more capable and very different from the 4G that launched in 2010, right? Now with uh, 4G has achieved uh, gigabit, gigabit speed uh, capabilities uh, with things like aggregation and the use of multi-user MIMO as well as, as, well as um, the ability to use kind of a more advanced coding techniques to be able to pack more bits and data into the wireless channel. So, but if, if today, if you turn on a 2010 smartphone with LTE and you connect to the LTE network, it will work, right? Because all these advancements have occurred while maintaining backwards compatibility. I think that, of course, uh, uh, as we want to evolve and bring more capabilities with cellular networks to connect all kinds of things, it was there was a need for a new generation of cellular technology, and that was kind of a uh, came to as as a result with 5G. It's probably too early to start thinking about 6G. We need to start evolving a lot of what will be the 5G capabilities before we start thinking on a new generation of cellular technology. What about the security aspects? You know, with uh, IoT, the proliferation of that. And industrial applications and you know car communication i mean it seems to open up a, a gigantic attack surface so i would think that security has to be like a, a top priority for 5g you know outside of uh let's say cellular networks and, and all that yeah and yes for cellular networks overall security has been always a, a high level of a, a kind of a focus from the industry on that uh, even starting from the cellular operators because for them uh, this is their business, right? So they need to make sure that the uh, networks are secure uh, and people can use them confidently, but also they can they can charge and money for the connectivity that they provide with this network. So as of today, uh, even 3G and 4G networks are still considered being, it's considered like fairly secure networks, right? It's used even on financial services or even for government, uh, used uh, um, kind of a mobile network, commercial mobile networks, uh, to transmit very, very uh, sensitive information and communications overall. So the level of protection is there. And without being much of a security expert, of course, 5G uh, brings new security capabilities and technologies. So it will be being more secure than before. So you're right. Uh, of course, uh, 5G has been designed to connect not just people, but all kinds of things. It, it kind of increases the... Uh, the, the points, right, in which it uh, can create security concerns, but also in the specifications has been a lot of focus to, again, make security robust. And so far, I think several networks have demonstrated that uh, have a high level of uh, security overall. It, that, that work never ends, right? And it's always like work to uh, um, uh, understand vulnerabilities and be able to patch them and, and, and overcome them. But net-net, uh, uh, Network has been proven to be very secure so far, and we expect even more robust security with 5G. And then last, last question, um, how is 5G fundamentally different technology-wise from 4G and everything else? Can you give a few details on what makes the technology work differently? Yeah, <clears throat> a, a few things. So, for example, 5G has been designed in a way that can uh, accommodate uh, many different uh, spectrum assets, right? Going from the uh, lower frequencies that uh, as low as uh, 600 megahertz 
that are used today in uh, for weather networks to what's now millimeter wave. Uh, the waveform has been designed in a much flexible fashion, so you can uh, scale the ability of 5G to work on very high frequency bands uh, without increasing significantly the amount of processing that you need to be able to uh, manage those frequencies. So um, even if the, 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 the baseline for connectivity is still using the OFDMA uh, access technology, it has been designed in a much flexible way, so uh, it can accommodate all kind of uh, spectrum assets. Other considerations for 5G has been uh, the um, uh, more flexible transmit times as well. So, uh, for example, with um, 4G, uh, the minimum kind of a, a transmission slot that you can get is kind of a, it's down to a one millisecond, right? So whenever you want to send information back and forth and, 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 and use that for communications, that means that the overall latency of the system, right, when you send information to the internet, expect that to come back, could be in the order of uh, tens, if not hundreds of milliseconds. Uh, 5G was designed to be able to operate in a much kind of a shorter time slots overall, even up to one-eighth of what's uh, feasible today uh, with uh, 4G. And that uh, has allowed the uh, latency overall to be reduced down to uh, the order of one millisecond, right? Which is what you will need for these kind of uh, ultra-reliable uh, connections that require for industrial settings overall. Uh, other techniques are improvements in the coding scheme, so you're able to pack more data in the same amount of spectrum to make uh, connectivity more efficient, and things like uh, beamforming, millimeter wave, or massive MIMO, and sub-6, which allows you to focus the energy and be able to use what's called spatial multiplexing, which is basically you're using the same spectrum from the same base tower, but sending these beams that connect to the different devices. So you can reuse the spectrum uh, um, as you connect with multiple devices at the same time, and with that way improve all the overall capacity overall the network. So that's just a nutshell, and there's a flurry of different uh, advancements that uh, can have been included in 5G overall. But net net, I would say, I would just say it uh, has been designed so it's much more flexible. So you have flexibility in terms of the latency, flexibility in terms of the spectrum, and at the end flexibility in terms of the use case that you can serve with 5G overall. Well, very good. So what's the best way for people to find out, um, you know, uh, how to get into the 5G world? You know, how will they know that the smartphone they have or the smartphone they could get has it? And how can they find out more about Qualcomm? Yeah. Well, very easy. It's just as, uh, in your next phone, think about just asking for a 5G phone and you will be ready uh, to experience uh, this feature as networks get rolled out starting this year uh, across many regions. And to learn more, you can always just kind of a search for Qualcomm 5G or go to qualcomm.com slash 5G. And we have tons of resources and information about 5G overall between videos, webinars, blog posts, etc. And of course, more than happy just to talk Richard to you anytime that we want to go deeper in terms of the 5G networks. It's a very exciting time. That's great, Ignacio. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much, Richard, for having me. Pleasure to be here. I hope. You're listening to the Future Tech Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies such as artificial intelligence, stem cells, 3D printing, gene editing, Bitcoin, blockchain, the microbiome, quantum computing, virtual reality, and exploring space are much closer than you might think. 
In fact, many early versions of these technologies are in play right now, and the companies that are using these technologies are the focus of this podcast. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a thorny medical problem. Remember, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and tell your friends about it. Thank you. Thank you.